are uh, glad that you're with us. All of our all of our CFA fam, Multiply fam that's joining online, and of course the hometown crew in, in Concord. Listen, this has been, um, I'll tell you what's, what's crazier than the actual season is just the things that God has been doing during this season, right? And we've talked about that last week. This is unusual season, unusual season, unusual God, unusual church, unusual miracles. And we have had just a crazy amount of guests and visitors during the past six months. Some of you live at our, our, our broadcast location in Concord, guests in Davidson, and then skews of people who are joining with us online. And so this is what we're doing. Um, we are taking our uh, guest connection, our VIP Connect, we're calling it VIP Connect. We're taking the next steps of this virtual, okay? So next week, next week after our services, after every service, I'm going to be in uh, this Zoom Room VIP Connect. I'm going to be there, Pastor Brandy, our Davidson location pastors, for those of you joining there. And so we just, we want to take about 15, 20 minutes and connect face-to-face. We're going to be in a Zoom Room so you can even take off that mask and we can see full faces. So uh, this is next Sunday and we just want to, we just want to uh, be ready for you. So if you will email, if you'll just shoot a quick email to either VIP at CFA Church if you're in the Concord area or if you joined online. We've got people joining us, California and Michigan and, and literally just, you know, around the globe. So if all you guys will email VIP at CFAChurch.com and then if you are in the Lake Norman area, if you will email VIP Davidson at CFAChurch.com and listen, keep those praise reports coming coming in too. I'm telling you, we've had reports of uh, unusual miracles. We've had people getting getting promotions and job changes and physical miracles and all, the, you name it, during this season. And we want to celebrate with you and it will bless you to testify. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. So God already did it on the cross. You overcome. You're an overcomer simply by Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. And yet we actuate that victory in our lives by a testimony. Can I just teach that to you? So your testimony doesn't heal you, but it helps you to walk out your healing. Your, your, your testimony doesn't give you a miracle, but it helps you to walk out that. And so if you have, God is doing something unusual in your life, we want to hear about it, testify about it, amen at cfachurch.com, and we just want to celebrate together. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to Joshua chapter 9, Joshua chapter 9. How many of you either joining online, how many of you at Davidson, how many of you in Concord would say, Pastor, in the last several months, I feel like, I feel like I've heard conflicting reports. Would you just, would you just raise your left hand and, and keep that up? I feel like, and it can be in what, I'm not telling you what area you've heard the conflicting, I feel like I've heard conflicting reports. Now on the other side, keep that hand up. Keep that hand up or shoot me a little left hand emoji. Can you do left hand emoji only in the chat room? I don't know if you can, but somebody give me a left hand emoji if that's true. Now on the other side, how many of you have said, would say this, pastor, in some way, shape or form, this thought or it's come out of my mouth, you would say something like this, pastor, I don't know who to believe. Come on, raise your right hand. 
Raise your right hand. And that's where, that's where you live. That's where you're living. Turn to somebody, tell them that's where you're living. You're living between your left hand and your right hand. Oh, I heard this last night on one news channel. I got people in Concord. They're, still, they're having a moment. They're having a praise break right here. Like That's where you're living, isn't it? You're living between, I'm hearing some different things out there, and I'm not sure who to believe. And here's a crazy thing. What we're finding out is though the application of our circumstances certainly has a nuance in 2020. What we're finding is so many of the things that we're experiencing, they, they, they experienced thousands of years ago. We're finding out how relevant God's word is. Can you say amen? Like you don't need to make God's word relevant. It just is relevant. And so the application of the circumstances may be different. But I'm telling you, walking through a season, I'm titling this message, Defeating Gibeonite Deception. I could have just titled it, Pastor, I don't know who to believe. That's what I could have titled this message, this is not a new problem. It's a biblical problem, and I'm telling you, biblical problems have biblical solutions. Can you say amen to that? And so we're going to go to God's word. We're going to identify the root of the problem, and then we're going to see from the word of God how we can overcome the problem when you don't know who to believe. Joshua chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Now all the king's West of the Jordan River heard about what had happened, and there were the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites who lived in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the coast of the Mediterranean. Kind of sounds like North Carolina, amen. I got the mountains to my left and the beach to the right, God's country, and as far north as the Lebanon mountains. And these kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. Can I remind somebody that the reason you're going through the battle that you're going through is that you're closer to your destiny than you've ever been in your life. The enemy knows that when you get closer, he turns up the heat a little bit. Maybe the reason you're walking through what you're walking through is not because anything is wrong in your life. But because everything is right, can I get an amen? You're closer to your promise than you've ever been. You're closer to breakthrough than you've ever been. And the enemy knows it. So he's trying to rally the troops together and attack you from every side. But I need somebody to know that breakthrough is on its way. But when the people of Gibeon, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, They resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua. They loaded down their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes and the bread. The bread they took with them, it was all dry and moldy. And when they arrived at the camp of Israel in Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we've come from a long ways distant land and we're here Joshua we're here to make a peace treaty with you the Israelites replied well how how do we know that you don't live nearby and they replied we're your servants but who are you Joshua demanded and where do you come from they answered your servants have come from a distant country let's go down to verse 12 The bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes, but now you can see it's dry and moldy. These wineskins were new, now they're old. 
our clothing and sandals are worn out from the long journey. So Israelites, so the Israelites, so the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. See what's going on here? I mean, the story, y'all, the story seems so right. The images seemed so real and so believable. The evidence seemed so convincing. But they were carefully curated stories and manipulated images in order to deceive the people of God from their destiny and their inheritance. And can I just tell you that the Gibeonite spirit is alive and well in, all, in our culture. I just tried to put them all up there so we'd all get offended at the same time. And then we can all get over it at the same time. Here's the definition of the Gibeonite spirit. The Gibeonite spirit is fabricated stories and altered images presented as convincing truth in order to distract the people of God from their message, their mission, and ultimately keep them from your inheritance. See, whether or not you step into your inheritance depends a lot on the voices that you allow into your life. And I use that word carefully. I said allow into your life because just because a voice is out there doesn't mean it has to be in here. Come on, somebody say amen. Just because an opinion is out there doesn't mean it has to be in here. Just because somebody's agenda is out there doesn't mean it has to control the way I live, the way I speak, the way I think. Deception. Deception. You say, how could, how could the people of God fall into that kind of deception like it was new it was new and it looked old well I'm just going to tell you I'm just going to tell you a few months ago uh, I wanted an old mailbox we got a big we got a big front porch on our house living log home in the middle of the woods I was like I want an old timey mailbox I just thought that would be cool so I went to one of our local antique shops and I was walking around I was like that's it it's the right color. It's all like rusted on top and I got it. And I, I paid, I don't know what I paid for, $26, something like that. And I put a little nail right by the front door and I put my old, my old timey mailbox. And I was, I was having a nostalgia moment. And I was all excited about my, my find. I like American Pickers. So I had a little uh, Frank and Mike in me. I'm like, that's a good find, Doug. That's a good find. Well, a few weeks later, I was down in, in the outreach and missions offices. I was meeting with Pastor Gwen, and I, and I walked out, and I said, oh, pa- I said, hey, Pastor Gwen, you've, you've been to, and I named the particular antique store. And she looked at me like I had a couple of heads. She's just like, what? I was like, your, ma- your mailbox. You got one of those old-timey mailboxes, too. She said, you mean Hobby Lobby? Y'all, it was the exact same mailbox. And not only was it the exact same mailbox, you paid like, Pastor Gwen paid like $11 for hers. I got deceived, ripped off, and I paid double. I'm just telling you, it can happen. Deception can happen. So how do we recognize it? If the Gibeonite spirit is alive and well, how do we recognize the Gibeonite spirit? And then more importantly, how do we, how do we combat it? 
How do, we, how do we gain victory in our lives over it? A couple of thoughts on how to recognize this spirit. Number one, a Gibeonite spirit, it won't ever talk to you face to face. You see this? They didn't even have email. And the Gibeonites sent ambassadors. Here's how you recognize a Gibeonite spirit. A Gibeonite spirit will send you a message on Instagram, but they'll never have a conversation with you. They'll send you, they'll send you a message. They'll comment. They'll put a little, a little mean face emoji on your post. Come on. But they won't have a conversation with you because they know that if they, they don't have courage, they don't have, a Gibeonite doesn't have the courage to say that to your face. A Gibeonite doesn't have the courage to walk into your kitchen and to walk in and people get more, people get digital courage. They didn't even courage. Has somebody come up with a better word for that? Digital something. <laughs> but it's a lot it's a lot harder to tell the truth when you're looking somebody in the eyeball. Number two, a, Gib- a Gibeonite begins the conversation by promising to help you. Watch this. So the Gibeonites replied, we're your servants. See, a lot of times Gibeonite voices, voices of deception, they start off and it sounds like I'm just, I'm just here to help. I'm just here to give you some information I'm just, here, I'm just here to help you consider, consider this. Here, would you, just, would you just lean into this a little bit? Number three, a Gibeonite will clothe its deception in religious language. Watch this. In verse 9, we have heard they're, they're preaching. The Gibeonites, the purpose of the Gibeonites is to deceive and detract the very people of God from their promised land and from their inheritance. And yet, if you listen to just this one statement, they sound like they should be preaching the sermon. We have heard the might of the Lord and all he did. Like, they're they're testifying, y'all. They're amen at CFA Church. Like, the the enemy is so sneaky. The enemy knows if he came to you on your left shoulder with little pitchfork and horns and said, hey, I'm the devil and I'm just here to deceive you, that you would be wise enough. But the enemy often comes to you clothed in religious language. And so here's what I need to impart. You say, this is scary a little bit, but God has a solution for us. It's called the spiritual gift of wisdom and the spiritual gift of discernment. And I'm telling you, that is available to everybody, no matter your education level. It doesn't have to do with your schooling. It has to do with how close you are to Jesus. And the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, I'm going to put both hands up today. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to approach this, but he does. If any of you lack wisdom, Let him ask of your father and he will give abundantly and mightily in the name of Jesus. And so you're not going to live paranoid any longer. I cut off the paranoia from your life. I cut that off in Jesus' name. You're going to walk with laser-focused wisdom and you're going to walk with discernment. And you are going to keep your eyes on the promised land and go forward in the name of Jesus. So how do you defeat this Gibeonite spirit? Number one is you got to stop living among Gibeonite voices. It's hard to be sidetracked by the agenda of a voice that isn't even in your life. Can I tell you that we are living in a day that is beyond opinion? It's, it's beyond opinion. We used to share opinion. So here's an opinion. 
Here's a, I've, got a, I've got an opinion. Let me share with you my opinion. I, I, it may be a little bit controversial, but, but I'm going to phrase it as my opinion. I know, I know I'm going to get some comments because this is a, it's a controversial subject, and I'm going to be a little bit edgy with my opinion, but, but here's, my, here's my opinion. My opinion is this. I'm just going to boldly say it today. My opinion is that Reese's Pieces are superior to M&M's. I know, that, I know that's controversial, but, but that's my opinion. And I might try to convince you just because, just because, like, see, see, this is the day we're living in. People get mad at me already. People shaking their heads. <laughs> I might try to argue or, or, or tell you a story about my affinity for peanut butter, and I'm not so much a, a, a chocolate person. And, and, but that would, that would have been like, that would have been like 10 years ago. We would, have, we would have had a differing opinion. But we're beyond opinions. Now, the problem is, if I come to you with my premise of Reese's Pieces are better than M&M's, now, most of the time, I'm not coming to you with my opinion. I'm coming to you with an agenda. And if you don't agree with my opinion, now you're not a good person. And you must not be intellectually as uh, open as, as I am. And so, so do you see, watch what happens now. Watch what happens. If you disagree with my opinion, I shrug my shoulders and move on. But if you disagree with my agenda, now I assign moral value to my agenda and assign that you're, you're a bad person. Do you see what's happening in our culture and in our society? Is that the very character of people are being judged by people who don't even know the other person. And that's what happens when Gibeonites and Israelites yell at each other and they're not even having a face-to-face conversation. Is I can tear you down and I don't even know you. There's agenda out there. I'm telling you there's agenda out there. Jesus, this is nothing new, though. This is nothing new. Everybody, you read through the Gospels, everybody had an agenda for Jesus, didn't they? Jesus' mother had an agenda, turned turned his water into wine. Mama, it's not my time, but he listened to his mama. Good job, son. The disciples had an agenda for Jesus. Jesus' brothers, uh, physical brothers, had an agenda for Jesus. If you're who you say you are, go, go, now's the feast. Show yourselves. The Pharisees had an agenda for Jesus. Everybody, the crowds had an agenda. They just wanted the miracles. They wanted the miracles, but not the morality. Uh-oh, there's a message in there somewhere. The, crowd, the crowds just want the, they just want the miracles of Jesus, but they don't want to follow his moral teachings. So everybody, everybody had an agenda for Jesus. This is in John 4. This is right after the, um, during, actually, Jesus' encounter with the, with the Samaritan woman at the well. And if you remember, uh, Jesus sent the disciples off because they didn't have any food. He's like, we're all hungry. You go run through the, go run through the Bojangles drive-thru, and y'all come back. Don't come back unless you got some chicken supremes. Peter, look at me. Look at me. Don't come back unless you have chicken supremes and some hot fries. Peter, last time you came, the fries were cold. You got to get back and honey mustard so I can dip my fries in the honey mustard. Come on. So they, so they come back. Just then, his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find Jesus talking to to a woman. Because remember, in that day, in that culture, wasn't kosher 
for a rabbi, for a teacher to have a conversation with a woman, especially a Samaritan woman. So you have, you have uh, all kinds of stuff going on in this passage. But none of them, so, so let me phrase it like this. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked because they had an agenda for Jesus and they thought that they knew better than Jesus who Jesus should be talking to. They thought that they knew better than Jesus who Jesus should be sharing the gospel with, but none of them had the nerve to ask it. What do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat, eat something. But Jesus replied, I love this response. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. And they said, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my food, my food, my nourishment, my food comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. See, what I love about Jesus is that while everybody else wanted Jesus to feast on their meal, Jesus didn't come to the table hungry. Jesus came to the table and he said, I'm sorry, guys, I already ate. So I don't have to let your opinion dictate how I live my life. I don't have to have your agenda on what you think God is saying to me dictate on how I'm going to minister during this time and this era. See, Jesus already ate. Here's what I know about me. If I don't eat and I'm hungry and I walk by you, I'll eat whatever you offer me. I don't care how unhealthy it is. You offer me a cookie, a sun drop, a soda, I might eat it when I'm full too. But I'm just saying, if I'm hungry, if I'm hungry, I'll just eat whatever's out there. And can I tell you, we're living in a day and a culture where people are so hungry for affirmation that they're just eating whatever's out there here's what we got to do we can't come into social media or any other action any other arena looking for affirmation we got to come saying i'm sorry i already ate i already ate i'm already full i know what my god said about me i know my mission i know where i'm going i'm all, come on somebody say i already ate I already ate. Somebody type that in the chat. I already ate. <laughs> See, it's a whole different conversation when you live full. I'm about to live full. I'm not about to live hungry. When I live full, I respect. Here's the difference. When I live full, I respect your opinion. And I can listen to your opinion without being offended or sidetracked when I live full I can listen I can respect your story but I don't have to let it sidetrack me because here's what I know about about your pastor is that I can get sidetracked so easily like I'll just go on I remember two Easter's ago we had we had one of our, our this, is, this is when, like, we were all together. And so physically, like, we had, as, we had as many or more people than we'd ever had on Easter. More services. I mean, we had salvations. We had, it was, it was amazing. And I was, I was celebrating God's goodness. And then, and then I got on an airplane. And I just, wanted to, I just wanted to veg out and scroll. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to scroll. I just wanted to connect, see what my buddies were up to. So I'm there. I'm like, man, God, thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing at CFA. Thank you. And I just started scrolling. I just, I just wanted to connect. 
And then I came across, uh, came across my buddy's church. I'm like, wait, wait a second. They had, they had more, more Easter services than we did. And they had more people than we did. And, and I, know, I know everybody else, everybody else would be celebrating for their friend when their vacation was better than yours. But I happened to get a little bit jealous. I, I, I happened to know, I know I should have been celebrating with him, but I just went on there to connect, but I started to compare. And that comparison got in my spirit and it started to drain my joy. And suddenly I'm like, what's wrong with our church? Why can't we have more? Ser- Why can't we have those, those kind of numbers? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong as a leader? I must not be as good of a preacher. And like, I just wanted to connect and then I started to compare. Or sometimes I'll just want to connect and then I'll see something I don't like and I'll criticize. I'll criticize and I'll just get a critical spirit like that and I'll start, I'll start getting angry and I'm like, man, I just wanted to connect and now I'm angry or, or I just wanted to connect and I'll see something else out there and, and I want to start copying it. I want to copy. Well, I want to do what they are doing, which may be fine for them, but if I'm not careful, that may not be the Father's will for me and I may not be, and if I got to st- I see, I got to stay in tune. I got to come full. I got to know, you got to know what God's wor- word for your life is. For your family is. Number, number two, just, just real practical then on this. Uh, I think that we need to learn how to be on social media without getting sucked into social media. Does that make sense? Um, there was a technology. I was, just re- I was reading about a, a new technology. And when the new technology came out uh, at the time of the writing... This is what was being said about the new technology. It was proclaimed as morally hazardous. There was a warning that it would lure our children away from the security and structure of the home. Um, There was a warning that it would bait our kids away from books and learning, and that this new technology was conducive to sexual immorality. And and so, of course, uh, the new technology I'm talking about is the bicycle. That's true. That's true. Those things were written in the 1900s when the bicycle came out. And here's what I'm realizing is that there will always be a new technology. And it's easy to rail on the technology. It's easy to get mad at the bicycle. But then I realized that the problem isn't on the bi- with the bicycle. It's where I go when I'm on the bicycle. It, it, it's, the, it's where I, because I can ride a bicycle to church and I can ride a bicycle to a place where I shouldn't be. See, it's not being on it. It's when we get sucked into it. I, I, I've been, this was something I really want, I just really want to present this. Is again, this is something the Lord nudged me with. Um, it's been about five, five weeks ago. I mentioned it before, but the Lord nudged me, and, and it was kind of obvious. I was, uh, it was just, it was consuming me, and I was, uh, spending more time than I should thinking about it and seeing like, well, how am I going to respond to this person? How am I going to respond? And instead of just living my life, I'm spending, instead of being with my family and eating dinner with my family, like I'm there physically, but in my mind, I'm like, that person said something I don't agree with it on Facebook. And so how am I going to respond? And so I was like, I was preoccupied with my, with my response. So I got to come up with a response and God just like, no, he's like, you need a, you need a break. Like you got to get, a, you got to get off that stuff. And so I, I did this before. And so what I did, if this helps you, 
Um, let, it be a, let it be a tool for you. But I've, I've done this twice now. It's, it's been amazing. I've taken 22 days. It's a 22-day fast, and there's a reason for the 22 days. It's Psalm 119. So Psalm 119, there is a portion of the psalm for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And it's all this psalm David writes, it's all on the word of God. It's all on the word of God. So a couple of times now I have gone through, I've gotten off of social media. And when, like, here's what I've done. I've left my phone down there. But I, I literally deleted on my phone. I usually have my TGIF and I have it in that order, Twitter. Uh, Google, Instagram, and Facebook, literally my TGIF apps. So I hit delete, delete, delete. I didn't delete Google because I still needed Google stuff. But so now I just got G. But I deleted those and I I put in its place, I put the Bible Gateway app. And so I'm like, for me, every time I wanted to go on Instagram, I hit Bible Gateway instead. And so what I tried to do is like, for me, I needed to get my mind out of what was out there and get it in here. And just say, God, shape my family, not by Facebook, but by your word. Shape my, shape my ministry, shape my preaching, shape our church, shape my family, shape my finances, shape my responses, shape my opinions, shape my agenda, not as a reaction to somebody else, but to what you're saying for me. So I started out, I was 22 days off, I'm like 40 days off now, and I'll hop back on eventually, so sorry for those of you that have sent me messages and I haven't responded, I'm just not on. I'm 40 days in and I don't miss it. I'm, I'm more focused. I feel more, I feel more focused. So I, I just throw, throw out to you if that can, can help you. And then here's the, here's the final thing. Is that I think we need to get radical about our source. Get radical about our source. And here's what I mean by that. I don't mean radical like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles used that term in 1998. I mean radical in the true meaning of the word. So the word radical comes from the Latin radix, radix, and that's where we get our English word radish. What is a radish? It is a root. Radical from radix simply means root. How do we defend ourselves from all of the opinions, all of the agendas, all of the voices out there? Maybe it's time to get radical. Did you notice that one verse of scripture in verse 14? Here's all the images, and boy, did they look real. Here's the stories. They look so convincing. Here's all of this stuff that that Joshua was being bombarded with. And verse 14 says this, so the Israelites examined their food, they examined the images, they examined the circumstances, but they did not consult the Lord. I wonder if today it might read like this. So the church listened to a podcast, but they did not consult the Lord. So the church watched a YouTube documentary, but they did not consult the Lord. So the church read a Facebook post, but they did not consult the Lord. And listen, sometimes there is nothing wrong with those things in and of the 
themselves. But what happens is those things become stacked up and they begin to block our Bible. And can I just encourage you, unusual times, unusual response. Radical times, radical response. Church, it's time to get radical. It's time to read this thing with a radical approach. It's time to believe God's word with a radical approach. It's time to obey his word with a radical approach, not half-hearted. Let's get to the root. Let's get to the root. Let's go back. Let's go back to our roots. What do you do when everything seems crazy? You go back to the root. You go back to the root. Here's Here's the last thing. And in this crazy story, here's what's, so, here's what's so encouraging to me. This is like crazy encouraging. In the, middle of a, in the middle of not a great story. Let's go back to the beginning, verse 3. It says, but when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they resorted to deception. You see how much deception the enemy is trying to stir up out there? You know why? You know why? I feel like I, feel like I heard God say, because he's down to his last resort. He's down to his last resort. All of his other schemes, all of his other tricks, they didn't work. They didn't work. He knows that he doesn't have the power to take you on face to face. And so he's a coward and he's down to his last resort. And so he's trying to deceive you. He's trying to distract you because he knows the power that is within you. He knows the Holy Spirit of God that is within you. And so they were, Joshua is like, give me a nice. Why'd y'all do this? Why'd y'all lie like this? Why'd you deceive us? And they replied, the deceiver replied, the enemy replied, we did it. We did it because, can I put it in today's language? The enemy's saying, I did it. I'm trying to deceive you because I know the anointing that's in you. I know the calling that's in you. I know where you're headed. I know about your promise. I know about your destiny. I know where you're going. And I'm scared. I'm running scared. I'm down to my last resort. So I don't know what else to do. I'm trying to deceive The people of God, can we pull back the curtain on his deception right now? Would you stand at every location? Would you stand at home right now? Would you just lift a hand to heaven? If you would say, if you would say, Jesus, I want to live. I want to defeat agenda in my life. I want to live according to your will, your agenda. Would you just say those words? Say God's will, God's agenda, God's will. God's agenda. Make it personal to the Lord. Say, say your will, your agenda, your will, 
your agenda. Father, I bless your people in the name of Jesus. I cut off deception from them right now in Jesus' name. I expose the lies of the enemy. I expose how he's using lies to try to bring disunity to the body of Christ. I expose them in the name of Jesus. I call them out for what they are. And Gibeonites, I tell you to go home in the name of Jesus because I bless your people with focus. I bless them with wisdom. I bless them with discernment. I need you to receive that from heaven right now. I need you to receive the gift of wisdom and I need you to receive the gift of discernment in Jesus' name. Those opinions aren't going to distract you. They're not going to affect your emotions. I got God's agenda. I already ate. I already ate. I already ate. I'm full. I'm full. I'm blessed. I got purpose. I'm coming through this in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Somebody give him praise in this place.